word of the Lord this morning. We thank God this evening. We thank God for what he did this morning. Amen. What a beautiful day in the house of the Lord. And uh, we're so, so excited to meet Sister Mitzi and Brother Nectar. God bless them and their family. And uh, we thank the Lord uh, for getting to meet them today. It was a beautiful testimony. We'll be able to share it in fuller detail at another time. But uh, suffice it to say, Brother George... Uh, and his wife were, were uh, driving, uh, just driving uh, through the city and, and took a route they normally don't take and saw a car for sale. And uh, they were not in the market for a car, but felt like they should call the number associated with the car. And when they did, uh, they found Brother Nectar and they began to talk with him. Uh, and as Brother George and Brother Nectar began to talk, they started talking about the Lord. Hallelujah. And as they began to talk about the Lord, um, Sister Mitzi heard them talking and said, I hear you talking about God. She said, why don't you come on into the house and let's talk a little more about it. And uh, before it was over, they said, we're going to come to church tomorrow morning. And uh, we thank God that we were able by the grace of God to baptize Mitzi and Nectar today in the name of Jesus and their Mitzi's daughter. God bless them. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord has done a beautiful thing in their life. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, Sister Mitzi was praying just yesterday. Lord, I want you to send somebody into my life that can help me to know you better. And to, to just, I need something from you, Lord. I need something from you, Lord. And, and did he ever do it? Did he ever do it? God, that's what God will do. That's what God will do. Hallelujah. And we rejoice in that. We rejoice in that. Thank you, Jesus. I, I want to read a few scriptures in your hearing from the book of 2 Peter, the third chapter. And uh, I want to read a, a few verses. Uh, I don't anticipate taking very long tonight, but I, I want to share with you something from the heart of God. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, let, me, let me say also that... Uh, we're excited because over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about a beautiful a new ministry in First Apostolic Church, Life Groups. This is going to be a small group ministry where we are going to be able to have throughout the city opportunities for people to come together in small groups to share the word of the Lord, learn the word of the Lord, get closer to God, get closer to the church. And, uh, and, you know, there's something that happens in a small group setting that's harder for it to happen in a large group setting. And uh, this is very biblical. This is actually the book of Acts uh, revival. The Bible describes going from house to house, breaking bread, praying prayers, being in fellowship with one another. And so we are going to be launching that at the first of the year, and we're going to be talking more and more about it, getting uh, ourselves prepared for the launch of such a beautiful ministry. And uh, we're excited about that. I believe that we're going to see a harvest of souls from that endeavor alone. People who we haven't even met that will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is the best thing. Jesus is the best thing that can happen in a person's life. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, I, I can't help but believe that we'll stand before the Lord in judgment if we had such a beautiful treasure and did not share it. I believe we'll be 
having to answer for that. And so we want to be able to give the Lord a good report that we did not bury our talent, but that we multiplied it and shared it in Jesus' name. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. The word of the Lord says this, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens, and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Hallelujah. Man, I wish I could just stay right there for the rest of the night. Account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. This means distort, change, twist to their own benefit. As they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow. Hallelujah. Everybody say, but grow. But grow in grace, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. By the help of the Holy Ghost this evening, I would like to just minister for a few moments on the subject, grace is where we grow. Grace is where we grow. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. It is life unto us. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Your word is life unto us. And we humble ourselves before your mighty hand, asking you to speak to our hearts. Help us to be more like you, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We give you praise and honor and glory, for you alone are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Lord, and we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I just can't think of, of a better thing to preach about than to 
than to discuss the grace of God. The songwriter said it this way, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we have first begun. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible doesn't use the word amazing to describe grace. It just simply says that his grace, in one place, his grace is sufficient. This, of course, came to the Apostle Paul when the Apostle Paul was dealing with what he described as a thorn in his flesh. He had um, a thorn in his flesh. Now, I don't know exactly what he meant by that. I don't know if that was metaphoric. I don't know if it was a physical affliction. Uh, I don't know if it was a, an emotional challenge or a spiritual uh, a problem. I don't know. But, but he gave it a pretty uh, good analogy uh, to where we can understand what he meant. I mean, if you imagine just having a thorn stuck in your flesh, then you get the idea of what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Uh, I mean, we can walk through by a rose bush and barely get scraped, and you'd think that, you know, somebody just lacerated us or something. The Apostle Paul talked about a thorn being in his flesh this means that there was no comfort. There, there, this thing was so prevalent in his life that, that he felt that every time he would move, every time he would adjust himself or situate himself, he was uh, dealing with this thorn that was in his flesh. And he went to the Lord and asked the Lord to remove it. And he said, Lord, remove this thorn from my flesh. And the Lord would not remove it. Now, you got to understand, this is the guy who would say, Lord, blind the eyes of the adversaries who are trying to prevent revival, and the Lord would blind their eyes. And then this is the guy who, who could, literally, they would take aprons from his body, and this is where we get the whole concept of prayer cloths, anointing them with oil and sending them out for people to receive prayer. It's not mystical or superstitious. It's, it's found in the book of Acts where the apostle Paul could not physically get to them, and so they would take cloths, from his body and take them to those who were sick and, and those people would be healed. So this is a man who understands the power of prayer. He fully expected when he called on God to, to remove the thorn in his flesh, he fully expected God to do just that and God said no. He didn't say not yet. He didn't say check with me next year. He said no. And then I asked again, this time, I'm sure enough time had passed, he thought that he'd learned his lesson and was now capable of having the thorn removed, and God still again said no. The third time, he asked the Lord to remove the thorn from his flesh, and, and again, the Lord said no, but he gave some uh, extra words so that Paul would understand why he was not removing the thorn from his flesh. And he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, when you have to deal with certain weaknesses, when you have certain infirmity of some sort, when you understand that you don't have it all figured out and you don't have it all together and you are not self-sufficient, 
then my strength can be perfected in you. Something in your life, and we can all relate to this, even if you haven't thought it in this way, we can all relate to it. There will be something in your life that will be a continual reminder that you need God. There will be a continual reminder of that. There will never be a time in your life where you don't have something to pray about. There will never be a moment in your life where you don't have something in the back of your mind drawing you into a place of dependency on God. God, I need you. I need you to move on this circumstance. I need you to touch this situation. I need you to move this matter. There will never be a time where you don't have that. And, if, and, and the only time that that will come is when you and I reach that golden strand. So, so you're not asking for peace, you're asking for heaven. See, peace comes even in the midst of the storm. But, but when you talk about having a time where there is simply no concern, there simply is no, no uh, wondering of, of whether you're going to make it or not, that that's heaven, that's when you're sealed. But when we're talking about down here on earth, there will always be this constant reminder, there'll be some in our life letting us know we need God and God told Paul my strength is made perfect in weakness and then he said this my grace is sufficient for thee my grace is sufficient for thee you can make it because my grace is sufficient for you you do not have to be afraid because my grace is sufficient for you so how much of the grace of God do you need? Let me tell you, the grace of God, regardless of how much you think you have or don't have, the grace of God is sufficient for you. He will give you just what you need. Hallelujah. He will give you what you need, and it will carry you through whatever you're facing. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. You know why you're clapping? Because you know what I'm talking about. You've been there when you needed God to come through with his amazing grace. You know, the Bible also talks about great grace. The scripture says that great grace was upon the early church. Great grace was upon them all, it says. And so there's great grace, which is, as, it, as you can imagine, it's great grace. It's, it's abundant. It's overflowing. And then there's sufficient grace. So the Bible talks about great grace and sufficient grace. But, but every day, his grace is amazing. Whether it's sufficient and you think you're barely getting by, or whether it's great and you feel like you're flying with the eagles, his grace is amazing and will carry you through. What is the grace of God? What is the grace of God? Somebody said it's unmerited favor. Let's, let's talk about what grace is do you know grace is uh is 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 favor that's what grace is grace is favor it is not unmerited favor it is simply favor and so where did this concept of unmerited favor come from unmerited favor came from the idea from the reality that none of us are worthy of the favor so for us, it is unmerited favor, but grace in itself is simply favor. So how did the favor of God, folks, I'm talking about, when I talk about the favor of God, I'm talking about something so holy that we can't even, we can't even fathom it. 
I'm talking about something so righteous that, that it doesn't even compute in our minds. We're talking about a flawless God, a perfect God who is completely whole. There, 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 is, there is no shortcoming to him. There is no downfall. He does not slumber. He does not sleep. His arm is not short. His promise is not slack. He, his ear is not heavy. And his, his eyes are not blind. He, in fact, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are throughout the earth. There is, there is no, there is no deficiency in him. He is almighty God, complete, all in all, altogether lovely, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, omnibenevolent, almighty God who is and was and is to come, the almighty God. And when we talk about the fact that he has favor, Folks, that is unthinkable that a God that complete, that holy would be able to extend his favor to anything less than himself. So this is what Paul was talking about when he said all have sinned. And because of that sin, all have come short of the glory of God. That simply means that God is too holy for any of us to stand in his presence. That God is too righteous. He is too perfect. We don't even know what the word perfection means. We ascribe it to so many flawed things. Just flawed concepts. Oh, that is complete perfection. We don't have a clue what we're talking about. God is completely perfect. There is not, nothing in him that would be imperfect. And, and so nothing can stand in his presence. That is not perfect. I can't go there. You cannot go there. If God came down into this room in all of his shining splendor, every one of us would be consumed immediately. Immediately. It is raw holiness. It is raw glory. It is, it is, you, it, it's beyond any ultraviolet radiation you could ever imagine. It is so beyond the, the greatest thing that you have ever considered. Listen to what the Bible says of the power and the glory of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding. Now that would have been enough just to say that. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding above what we can ask or think. But he didn't just stop there. He said now unto him that is exceeding abundantly. That would have been enough. Now unto him that is exceeding abundantly able to do above or to do what we ask or think. But that's not what he said. He said unto him that is exceeding abundantly able to do above all. I mean, you can't get more excessive in the language than that. He's exceeding. He's abundant. He's above all what he is capable of doing. Not just what you want him to do, but, but above all, exceeding abundantly above all, anything you can think about, anything you've ever thought about, anything you could imagine, he's just simply greater than what I can preach, greater than what I can worship, greater than how I can describe. He's greater, he's greater, he's great and greatly to be praised. Moses said, Lord, show me thy glory. And God said, I, Moses, you don't understand. You are fallen. You are fallen. 
and I can't show you my glory. It will consume you. Sin has so corrupted your body that it would consume you on the spot to see my glory. I cannot show you my glory. In fact, God had to hide him in a type and a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That rock followed them. And that rock was Christ. And he hid him in the cleft of the rock. Then and only then could Moses see the glory of God. And even at that, God had to put his hand over his face and pass by. And when he passed by, just the mere hinder parts, the afterglow of God's glory was made visible to him. And when he lifted his hand, Moses saw the afterglow of God's glory. It was so poignant, so palpable, so powerful that it lit Moses up and he walked down into the camp. They had to put a veil over his face because nobody could look on his face for the holiness and the glory of God that had just impacted his person. The angels in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple, and there were seraphims, angels in his presence. And they used two wings to fly, and they used two wings to cover their feet, and then they had two other wings. These two wings were used to cover their face. They were covering their face because of the holiness of God. It was such holiness. It was a holiness that you and I can't even understand fathom or describe and they had to cover their face until one looked at the other and said holy 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 is the Lord the whole earth is full of his glory hallelujah ladies and gentlemen I'm preaching to you tonight about a holy God about a God so holy and so perfect and so pure and so righteous that not one of us can stand in his presence none of us are worthy of his favor none of us I've missed it. You missed it. We have sinned. We come short of his glory. We come short of his holiness. Everyone, there's not a person alive. I don't care who they are, what they say, how well esteemed they are in this world, how well esteemed they are in religious structures. They're not worthy of the favor of God. It's because he's too holy. And so what we have is unmerited favor. This is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is where Jesus enters the picture. This holy God, this mighty God, this righteous God, this perfect God who who moved upon the Virgin Mary, the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. And in her was conceived a son. Hallelujah. He was born Emmanuel. God with us. And when Jesus entered this world, the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and in stature. He grew up as a tender plant out of a dry ground. Oh, bless his name. He was God manifest in human flesh. He was the living God of eternity, wrapped in the robe of a man. Man who was made in the image of God in the Garden of Eden. Now God came down in the form of man who walked those those ancient streets and cities and sidewalks. And he opened 
opened the eyes of the blind and he unlocked the ears of the deaf and he healed the legs that were lame and unable to walk. He raised the palsied people from their position of sickness. He went to Lazarus' tomb and he went to Jairus' house. Hallelujah. And he raised the dead in the eyes of the people. He took five loaves and he took two fish and he fed thousands of people. Hallelujah. That were hungry and needful of a miracle from God. I want you to know not only that, but in all of that, he made himself of no reputation. Hallelujah. He did, in fact, rebuke the Pharisees. He contended with the hypocrisy of the day. He put it in its place. He dealt with it. He loved, hallelujah, those that were in poverty. He loved those that were sick. He loved the widows. He loved the orphans. He said, bring the children to me. Your faith needs to be like that of a child or you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. He taught us how to love and he taught us how to live and he taught us how to die and he taught us how to forgive and he taught us, hallelujah, how to live a life for the Lord that is pleasing in God's eyes. And when he went to Calvary's cross, he went to Calvary's cross as a spotless lamb. There was no ulterior motive in his body. There was no sin in his body. There was no corruptive, corrosive nature in his body. He was the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. I give you Jesus. I give you Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. When he went to that cross, I want you to know that his life was pleasing to God. The favor of God could easily come upon Jesus the Christ. The love that I have found it so hard to give, it just flowed effortlessly from Jesus. The forgiveness that I withhold so stingily when God has been so abundantly merciful to me, it just flowed so freely from the words of Jesus, from the works of Jesus. Hallelujah. The way that he treated people, flawless. The sinners actually loved being in his presence. You would think, you know, him being perfect and all, that they would run from him. Nobody likes being with somebody who thinks they're perfect. But Jesus did more than think he was perfect. Jesus was perfect. His words were perfect. His thoughts were perfect. His actions were perfect. His motives were perfect. His agenda was flawless. Hallelujah. And so the woman caught in the act of adultery was thankful that they dropped her off at the feet of Jesus. Instead of feeling condemned, she thought, thank God that you brought me to a safe place because this perfect man I don't know I don't know how he deciphers and discerns and judges I don't know how he does it I just know he does it with flawless execution the demoniac saw Jesus come up onto the scene he did not run from him he ran to him 
lugging every legion of devil behind him. I need to get to the feet of Jesus. Every other person in this city will condemn me and push me far from them. I'm so undone and without hope. I'm so helpless. I have ruined so much. I have hurt so many. But Jesus, he's perfect. So when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross as one who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. I'm talking about one who stood as a ready recipient of earned favor, merited favor, favor that he earned through obedience and through suffering. He earned that favor and the favor of God, hallelujah, covered that man, but not just him, but he being the firstborn among many brethren is able to give that merited favor to whosoever will. So now I stand here today. You got to understand, I stand here today with grace I didn't earn because Jesus earned it for me. I stand here today with salvation that I don't deserve, but Jesus deserved it for me. And he received it through his sacrifice and he gives it to me freely. That's grace. That's grace. I stand in a position that I don't deserve. I, I, I love the song. I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why Jesus cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. So glad that he did. You better believe I'll dance. You better believe I'll shout. You better believe I'll sing and rejoice. You can laugh at the way I shout, but I'm going to give him praise because he gave me something I don't deserve. Hallelujah. He made it possible for me, for me, for me to stand in the presence of a holy God. couldn't get there I couldn't stand in the presence of God unless I'm covered whoo, by the blood of Jesus Christ so now I stand before the throne of the almighty God with full access to all of his majesty and all of his power and all of his glory because the blood of Jesus covers me therefore I'm not standing there it's Joel I'm standing there as one who has been covered by the life of Jesus Christ. So this is the beauty of it. This is what happens when we're baptized in the precious name of Jesus. We relinquish our identity. And he gives us his identity. Hallelujah. So now when I stand before the Lord, listen, they got books on books on books on books of Joel Urshan. They got all kind of stuff on me. And they're going to, in that day, the devil wants to throw the book at Joel Urshan. They got all, every, my whole history, stuff, stuff going on all throughout my life. And it's all written in this book of Joel Urshan's life. My only hope of being delivered from the pain 
penalty due. This book of Joel Urshan's life is if my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. All right, the Joel Urshan book of life says he's a low down, good for nothing, dirty, rotten scoundrel. But let me see if his name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because if his name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then what this, the, the, his name being written in the Lamb's book of life will eliminate what's written in Joel's book of life. I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to believe it if you don't want to. But if you do believe it, it's the power of God unto salvation. To them gave he power. As many as believed, he gave them power. the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but to us that believe it is the power of God it is the power of God my God my God but lest you believe lest you believe Lest you believe that grace is something that you can just take and then abuse for yourself. Paul warned of those who turn the grace of God unto lasciviousness. Licentiousness, which is where we receive our word license to do whatever you want. Moses described a process, a terrifying process. Where he said, Lord, if you're going to destroy Israel, then blot out my name from your book of life. Because there is a process, a legal process by which a person's name can be blotted out. You have to take shelter, refuge, fortress in the grace of God. This isn't your salvation. That you have brought unto yourself. This is God's grace and mercy. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Hallelujah. It is by his love that we are not consumed. I don't know how I've not already died. I know that the enemy has has sent messengers of death my way. I've seen them. I've seen the drunk drivers come close and mysteriously be led off the path about and threw us off the interstate. And I didn't know where, what in the world happened. All I knew was that I almost died, but I didn't die. You know what that was? That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. That's the grace of God. Don't you get arrogant with this thing. Don't you start thinking you're entitled to this or that. Don't you start thinking that you've earned or deserved. No, sir. No, ma'am. It's the grace of God. It's the mercy, the grace, the mercy, the favor of God.
Hallelujah. When you realize that it is merely the grace of God that holds you. It's the grace of God that keeps you, that settles you, that establishes you. That's when you can begin fearing God. I'm going to tell you, we need a healthy revival of the fear of the Lord. My God, have mercy. How dare I play games with this walk with God when it is simply His mercy that holds me in place. I'm going to tell you, he could consume me right now. He could open up the ground upon which I stand and slam the earth shut on me. And none of you could argue with him. And none of you could call him in on the carpet. I don't care what politician you bring into this building. It doesn't matter what media frenzy is created. Nobody can call God in on the carpet. He'll have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. He'll have compassion upon whom he will have compassion. And it is by his grace I I stand here today. No, I'm sorry. There are certain roads I won't travel because I fear the Lord. No, I'm sorry. You can call me old-fashioned if you want to, and I'll say thank you very much. There are some ways I won't travel, some places I won't go, some decisions I won't make because of the fear of God. It's simply His hand. It's simply His mercy. It's simply His grace. Hallelujah. That allows me to stand where I stand here today. God, God, you know I have no friend like you. You know, God, that that I don't deserve anything you've given me. You know, Lord, you know that the blessings that are in my life are not of my doing, but they are by your great grace, your great love, wherewith you have loved me. And for that, I will give you praise. It is in this grace that we grow, grow, grow. What do you think God saved you? You think it was simply to, to, to rescue you from the pitiful position you had found yourself? Oh, for sure, that's a part of it. But I want you to know that God has big plans for you. Oh, I have not seen Ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man what the Lord has prepared for you. God has big plans for you. Let me tell you something. The sin that is in your life is preventing God from being able to do with you what he would love to do for you. Don't you know that you're a king with him? That you're a priest with him? Don't you know that you can rule and reign with him? Don't you realize that there is holy anointing that can fall upon your head? Don't you realize that you have power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Don't you realize that God has so much in store for your life? Oh, hallelujah. 
He didn't just save you so you could so you could say I'm saved. So you can say, look at me and what I am and and watch this little facade I'll put on. No, no, he saved you so you can be dead to this life. You know, this cursed life, this fallen life, this unworthy life and born again into a new life. Hallelujah. Old things are passed away. All things, hallelujah, are become new. Ephesians chapter 4 says that he gave some apostles. He gave some prophets. He gave some evangelists. He gave some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. He didn't mean for us just to come and get our little Holy Ghost fix and then go back and struggle all week long. He means for the saints to be perfected. Hallelujah. Not just for the perfecting of the saints, but for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ where we're going what are we going to we're going to a perfect man unto the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ you hear what I'm telling you the knowledge of the son of God God saved you so that he could give you the knowledge of the son of God that's who you are son of God that's what the Bible says that made somebody nervous. Oh, he just called me a son of God. Yes, I did, because the Bible does. Now, you don't have any problem calling yourself a child of God, but you got a problem calling yourself the son of God. Don't you know that's what God did? He became the son of the living God so that he could impart to you, hallelujah, the knowledge, hallelujah, the knowledge of who he is so you can understand who you are. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. So you grow where? In grace. That's where you grow. You grow in grace and you grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, come unto me. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And listen to what he said. He didn't say shout. He didn't say dance. He didn't say weep. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But notice what he said. The reason he wants you to take his yoke upon you. Learn of me. Learn. You know why people are destroyed? For lack of knowledge. You know why you're going through what you're going through? So you can have knowledge of the Son of God. Every little bit of suffering you've ever experienced was so you can learn more about Jesus. Jesus. Because he's revealing you to you who you are in him. Where do you grow? You grow in grace. You grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace is like a schoolhouse that he put around you so that you can learn knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of Jesus. He put his favor upon your life so that he could protect you from influences that will keep you from learning about him. Hallelujah. The carnal mind is enmity against God. So he rescued 
issues you from the carnal mind puts you in grace grace is a place we grow in grace he puts you inside of grace and teaches you himself hallelujah John Adams one of the founding fathers second president of the United States he said in a letter to his wife because they were struggling he was so involved in the revolution trying to make America the nation that it was to be and he was gone sometimes years at a time overseas she was raising the children and John Adams told his wife he said listen he said you got to understand he said I must study politics and war that my sons may have liberty to study mathematics philosophy geography natural history naval architecture navigation commerce and agriculture in order that their children can have a right to study painting and poetry and music and tapestry and porcelain in other words i i have to do this heavy lifting so that I can create a safe haven for my children and my grandchildren to learn all of the beautiful things there are to learn in life. That's what Jesus did for you at Calvary. He did all the heavy lifting. That's why when he said, take my yoke upon you, he said, my yoke is easy. That doesn't even make sense. There is no such thing as an easy yoke. That's why you put two oxen in the same yoke. You don't pull a, put a mule and an ox in one yoke. It would be unequally yoked. One would pull with power and one wouldn't pull at all. But Jesus said, come take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. In other words, take my yoke upon you because I will pull when you can't pull. And I'll push when you can't push. I will do the heavy lifting for you, but you have to be in my yoke. You have to be in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 See, the Bible says we as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. When you come into the faith, you come in as a newborn babe in Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter where you graduated from, you're a newborn babe in Christ Jesus. And you are to grow in God. Grow. Where do you grow? You grow in grace. You grow in the favor of God. And you learn the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you grow in Him. And you grow in Him. And, and there's no specific time frame at which you grow. I've seen people shoot up overnight. I've seen people grow in their faith just quickly. You see them one year and they're struggling to live for God. And you see them one year later and they've got so much faith. They're moving mountains. They're plucking up sycamore trees because they've grown in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And oh, there's so much to know about him. He is worthy, hallelujah, of your praise. And he's going to teach you in grace all that you need to know about him. You know what you need to know? You need to know that he is a provider. If you'll get in grace and learn Jesus somewhere along the path, you're going to learn that he is a provider. And when you get done learning it, you're going to know that you know that you know. You know what else you need to learn? You need to learn that he's a healer. 
And when you get done learning it, you're going to know that you know that you know. You know what else you need to learn? You need to learn that he's a savior. That he can reach down into the muck and the mire and pull you up out of anything that you ever got yourself involved with. And when you get done learning it, you're going to know it. Hallelujah. In the bedrock of your soul that my God my God is everything he says that he is a way maker a healer a savior a deliverer hallelujah do not think it strange when you come into the fiery trial you're there and you're not in hell you're not in hell you're in school you're learning Jesus just get your pad and your pen and just take notes. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop worshiping. I'm going to learn how good God is. I'm going to learn how great God is. Hallelujah. Come on, so I need somebody right now who's going through something. You know what I'm talking about. He's perfecting you. He's teaching you. He's lifting you up out of your current state unto the knowledge of the fullness of the stature, the measure of Christ. Hallelujah. To a perfect man. Ha! To a perfect man. Come on, somebody lift up your hands unto the Lord. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. I look at I look at people like Bishop and Sister Buller, and I thank God for them. Thank God for their ministry and for all that they represent. The many years of serving the Lord and preaching His gospel. And you look at somebody like that and you think, how do they, how do they make it all these years preaching the truth and loving God and loving one another and serving God and just making, making God their first priority. And you realize when you look over their life, they could, they could write a book on it do you realize it happened in times of, of deep trial where they learned their dependency on God? Times of suffering, times of heartache, times that you and I will never know anything about. But it's where you learn that God is great. It's where you learn that you need Him. You need Him. You need Him. It's where you learn. I, I, I don't know. I don't even know how I told somebody recently. I said, I don't even know how I preached. Before I really suffered in life. I don't even know how I did that. I don't know, how I, I don't know what I was preaching. I mean, it, it was the Holy Ghost. It was God. Because I didn't know, I didn't know what I was saying. I knew it as truth, but I didn't know it firsthand. And I thought, Lord, how in the world did you even anoint me to preach? Because I'm going to tell you what will make a ministry. Suffering will make a ministry. Because it's in those deep, dark moments of uncertainty where you feel underneath you the everlasting arms of God. 
And you read about them in the book of Deuteronomy, but you didn't know they were there until you were in a free fall and landed in those everlasting arms. Hallelujah. 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 I'll tell you what will make a stalwart saint of God. Suffering will make a stalwart saint of God. Long suffering. Peter said it is the long suffering of our Lord that is our salvation. That's when you begin to know about him. Lord, I want to know you. If you mean that, get ready because he will teach you about him. And nights where you, where sleep runs far from you. And you cry out to him in desperation. He will come to you in the name of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. He will come to you and he will speak words of comfort to you. You can read John 14 all you want to and know with your brain that he's a comforter. But until you live John 14 and realize, my God, he really is my comforter. Somebody needs it right now. Somebody needs it right now. Hallelujah. God, God's not allowing you to go through this so you can die in humiliation. God's allowing you to go through this so you can learn, learn, learn of him. Come unto the perfect man. Come unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. You're coming unto that perfect man till we all come into the unity of the faith. Under that perfect man. He's turning us into that perfect man. He's developing us into the body of Christ. He's developing, developing us into that perfect measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Somebody let the process unfold in your spirit right now. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah. The comforter is in this place. The comforter is in this place. Hallelujah. I need somebody right now that has said, God, I need you to lift this off of me. I need you to lift this circumstance out of my life. I'm ready to have a, I'm ready to have a day where I don't face this. I'm ready, God, for a day where I don't face this. There'll never be a day where you don't have something serious to pray about because you are coming unto the perfect man, the fullness of Christ. Come on, that's it. That's it all across this building. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it, that's it. Hallelujah. Jesus loved me. I need somebody to come down here who knows Jesus is the only reason you're saved. Come on, if you're like me, if you're like me, Jesus is the only reason you're saved. I don't know why Jesus sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. Come on, I need somebody who knows God has saved you from.